Hello, I'm your host, Gillian Semler. You're listening to Let's Talk, brought to you by Citilets and Arla Property Mart Scotland. Let's Talk is a dedicated property show for the world of property letting, investment, legislation, personal stories and much more. If you want to get in touch, just reach out. Let's Talk at citilets.co.uk. Today, my guest is owner and founder of Colin McShane Interior Styling. Morning, Colin. Hi, Gillian. Thanks for coming in. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Now, look, before we dive into home staging and interior styling and, and other ranges, range of services that your company provides, your career began at Lyme and Turnbull it in did. George Street. It did, yeah. Um, the auctioneer. So what led you to become an auctioneer and, and where did you know what area did you specialise in? Well, there was no real specialising area at Lyme and Turnbull. We were really general auctioneers and things like that. So we sold everything from, well, everything from a cup and saucer or a chamber pot even. I mean, <laughs> house clearing stuff, right up to really good paintings and nice pieces of furniture and things. So it was a complete uh, general thing. Uh, what led me into that was, I suppose, like, like as you might discover through the course of this interview, is like a lot of things were a bit kind of accidental, uh, whether subconsciously accidental or not, I don't know. But when I started at Lion Table when I was 18, so I'd just left school um, and I had gone actually to university and didn't like it. Um, and so where were you at university? Uh, London. Right. So yeah, mm -hmm. I suppose maybe I was quite young for London, I don't yeah. know about it. But anyway, I, I really wasn't happy and after a very short time came back to Edinburgh and I needed a job. Um, and was just thinking like what sort of things might I like to do and things that I thought. I, I knew nothing about auctioneering and things like that, but it always sounded like something that might be quite interesting and things like that. So did some like cold calling letters as it were, saying basically, you know, do you have a job? And fortunately did have a job. So I started off as a junior clerk and things like that and kind of just generally worked. And actually I was there for 13 years. Gosh, wasn't it interesting. Um, I was there until mm -hmm. actually, had they not closed the doors in 99, yeah. I might still have been there to be honest, <laughs> I'd probably never have moved on. Uh, so, um, but yeah, it was, mm -hmm. a, it was a great time and, 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 and things like that. Learned a lot and uh, saw a lot of things that actually there was a bit of a, changing of worlds then as well where there was quite a lot of like the old edwardian ladies still around who had lived in family homes so you know they had a, you know all the old victorian costumes still in oh, the attic wow. and all sorts of things like that i mean a world that was probably dying then but you'll never mm -hmm. see now and think again and because it's completely gone now Gosh. obviously uh, so yeah it was a, it was a really kind of interesting time and things like that so and after practicing there as an auctioneer you changed career direction and you moved into property management and estate agency so what was the driving forces behind this decision and and what was your role then within the agency well again that was all a bit of an accident to some extent because when Lyon and Turnbull closed down um I, I had intended and although I dropped out of university when I was 18 I'd done a fine arts valuation degree during my time at Lyon and Turnbull okay. uh, and things like that so I, I, you know, having done that job so long and done that and liked it, I was looking for another job in that field. But the whole auction scene was actually changing in Scotland at that time. I mean, Lyon and Turnbull closed, Phillips soon closed their Edinburgh oh, yes. branch and their Glasgow branch. And also there were a whole load of changes and actually not that many jobs. So what was causing that change? I don't really know, to be honest, what caused it. I mean, Lyon and Turnbull closed because... I don't even really know the answer to mm -hmm. that. I mean, I think it was the directors were old. They'd not really made provision for the future. It was quite an right. old-fashioned company and things, although it... Well, Lion and Turnbull is still in existence, but they sold the name. 
Ah, okay. but, so it's a completely different company, although they can still say they were established in 1826 mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing. Um, and I'm not, maybe it was just economic reasons with Philips and all these other changes. I'm really kind of not sure, to be honest, mm-hmm. in that it's quite so, so long ago now. But anyway, there wasn't a lot of jobs and things like that. And so I kind of thought, OK, I have to change direction. And property management, again, was something that I had always kind of, I thought might be interesting. So actually, I did my cold calling letters again. I don't think I've been very good at lifting up newspapers <laughs> and seeing what jobs are available. I've just decided what job I want and kind and of writing off, it. unfortunately, has worked. Um, and I went to work for DJ Alexander. Uh, initially in the maintenance department and doing inventories for letting. Yes. Um, because I had done those at Lion and Temple, although they were much more, we used to do work in the, lip, in the letting. I think every part of my career, there's always bits of it that have been useful to others, uh, if that the makes sense. Elements of it for the next Yeah. Uh, so direction. we had done, and, and when I worked for Lion and Temple, there weren't really that many letting agencies as such, most letting. The letting market wasn't like what it is now. It was mostly people who lived abroad who were letting their family home here or or had or something like that. And right. it was mostly it was dealt with by lawyers. Lawyers had letting departments in those days and things mm-hmm. like that. And we used to do the inventories, which were a great deal detailed, more detailed than they are now. I mean, right. now they're just a list. But in those days, supposedly, you had to kind of know what you were talking about and things like that. And, you know, Especially if it's valuable items. Well, they were them. also yes. in those days, because, because the market was different, they were almost furnished as family homes. Mm-hmm. So they did have some antique furniture and things like that. It wasn't just like a package, like a rental package like you might have now and things like that. So anyway, I initially started in the maintenance from Alexander's and doing the inventories and things like that. And then I did some other things. And latterly, I suppose, I, we, I co-managed a portfolio of 450-odd properties by one owner, all on the kind of outskirts of Edinburgh and things like right. that. They had been with a previous agent and were being kind of undermanaged, as it were. Um, and that was that was a great challenge. I mean, to be able to kind of take that on, make it more efficient, and basically kind of grow the investment Absolutely. and things by just actually making them work and things like that. And then I transferred also slightly into actually state agency within Alexander's, um, working work, working um, within that department. That was quite a new department at that time, and, and so on. Um, and then after that, I went to work for Crichton Stewart for a bit. Um, mm-hmm. in the West End. But by that, I think I'm maybe jumping on a bit here, but um, by that time I was nearly 40 and I had always wanted to run my own business at some stage, but you know, you keep putting it off and things like that. And then I think once you get to, well, in my case, and I think it's the same with others because I've seen it happen, you get to that sort of age where you think I'm halfway through my working life. Yeah. If I don't actually do it now, I never will. Um, and things like that. So essentially that's that's how I ended up making the break and starting. Um, and that was in 2008. It was, so yeah. you, you decided to, to take the bold decision, set up your own business, which, so it was born out of a passion for interior styling, wasn't it? And, yeah. um, you know, because what services do you provide and, and who are they targeted to? So the services we provide now is we still do a lot of home staging, um, obviously for the rental market and things like that. Um, we do, the, the, the kind of company evolved, um, originally it started as, we, we also did inventories for letting, I carried that on with me because right. I was almost like guaranteed some work in that respect, and, but then to be honest, it's, 
I was quite glad to see that go. I mean, four o'clock in the morning emails from somebody in Hong Kong. There was no deposit scheme and things like that then also. So you always had like a, an owner in Hong Kong saying they wanted a whole new carpet and a tenant saying, no, we're not paying. You know, it was, it was kind of quite difficult. So once once I was more able in the home staging side, Bill, I was quite glad to let inventories right. go, to be perfectly honest. So. Um, so yeah, so we obviously do the home staging thing, which actually started because I was asked to do it. Um, a few people kind of said, you know, oh, would you do this? And initially I kind of said no, because I had no furniture and things, and it wouldn't really have paid to go and buy furniture at that. But then I kind of got asked more and more, and it seemed like more promising. So obviously then I invested in some furniture. So obviously all the early jobs that were done made absolutely no money at all, because you're shelling out for furniture that you're only renting out once. It takes a long time to kind of get your money back. Um, but yeah, through kind of reputation, hopefully, and word of mouth and things like that. Um, well, let's initially focus on the, the home stage yeah. form of sales and rental. So what are the main elements of property staging? How do you mean by the main elements of it? What, when, you, when someone requires property staging, like, kind of, what I suppose is the whole process? What's, I mean, I guess each each um, job will be completely different. Yeah. But what's, what are kind of the main um, requirements? Well, you know, because it's not just furniture, it's accessories. Yeah. What's all involved in, in, in property staging for those that aren't properly familiar with all Okay, process? so basically what you want to create is not necessarily a dream home or a lifestyle home or something. There are elements of that. Um, but, you know, that's the whole lifestyle thing is perhaps going a bit more into show homes and right. things like that. But there are elements of that in home staging, but it's, it's not wholly that. You're basically just wanting somewhere to look as attractive as it possibly can. Um, and obviously within a budget, but the budgets aren't really too much of a constraint and things like that. I mean, it's almost, I always think it's a bit like yourself. If you're kind of going for a night out or something, you make a bit of an effort to look a certain way. I mean, you wouldn't go out with your pyjamas on, so why would you actually sell your house, you know, with its pyjamas on, basically, or something like that. Um, so, and every every property is different. I mean, some, some are ex-rental properties and things like that, where they just look a bit tired or they look a bit unloved and things like that. Some have furniture, some have no furniture at all. Some furniture you can use. I mean, some people say, oh no, we'll need to get rid of the sofas and things. And you say, well, actually, no, we can use those sofas. So you sometimes will use existing furniture yeah, within a property? always where it's possible we will use it and things like that. I mean, something that looks like, there are furniture that you have to say really should go. I mean, you know, absolutely without a doubt. But there's a lot that you can reuse and things like that. You know, I mean, a tired sofa can look just great for the purpose with some cushions on it and a throw, a throw folded over, not actually like covered in a throw. So it looks like yes. you're covering a whole multitude of things <laughs> uh, and things like that. Some other properties have absolutely no furniture. So obviously you're having to bring the whole lot in and things like that. I mean, what you're, what you're trying to achieve, you're trying to achieve a couple of things. I mean, you're trying to achieve, first of all, when people are scrolling through, properties oh, pictures, online, they'll actually it will stand out. Whereas if it's just like an empty room, to be honest, I mean, unless you're kind of seriously and slowly looking, you're really going to just scroll by that. It's not actually going to attract your eye. So in that, that is like, that's the first... Capturing the, the first bit of interest. Exactly. And things. And then obviously once they get into it and, and so on and things like that. And you're showing, just showing the property at its best effect, really. I mean, it's, it's not... 
it's not rocket science. It's mm. not easy either. I mean, it's not just that you go in there and wave a man. It takes a lot of work and quite a lot of working out before you even actually get to the to, to that stage, knowing knowing what it needs, what to take, and, and where to put it. Yeah, and how uh, it will look and how in a video look. or a photo. Yeah, yeah that, absolutely. That would be. Yeah, and over the years, I've also learned like how the, how pe how the photographers photograph these places so you actually know and also what people will see when like you know if you come into a room and the beds behind the door I quite often move the bed to the other wall so it's actually the first thing you see instead of an empty wall or something like that and the same with the angles the photographer uses you tend to know what they're going to do and maybe where to focus on right okay uh, and, like and is it true that you know a staged home or room will appear bigger because what would you say yes. does a room appear bigger with or without furniture with. that it does definitely yeah, oh, absolutely i mean there are bedrooms are a great um, example of that the amount of times that a, a room just doesn't look like it will even take a bed yeah i mean there are times that i even go in and think oh this will never take a bed <laughs> and then actually you pace it out and realize it will take a bed and then you put the bed in with a couple of bedsides and so on and you realise actually it could take a wardrobe and a chest of drawers or whatever, there's even more room and things like that. So if I can't see it and all the rest of it, people who are buying the place can't see it. So yeah, a room can definitely look much bigger. Yeah, um, and then it'll help people visualise it as a home because yeah. Yeah, well, it's really hard for some people to visualise, isn't it? Well, uh, most people can't. Yeah. I mean, that's it's something I don't always understand, but then I'm quite glad that they can't because then obviously I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing uh, and things like that. But yeah, I mean, people, it is difficult to kind of visualise. And actually, the, the small space thing is, 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 a, is, is, a, is actually a good thing to bring up because... Mm -hmm. And I, well, to be honest, even larger spaces, but smaller spaces, people think it's like it won't take the bed, like we've said, or it won't take something else. So actually, if you set it out, it helps people visualise. Oh well, there's a seating area, there's a dining, you know, and all that sort of thing. But actually, the, we have been called upon many times by people selling large houses because there are so many rooms that people actually can't envisage how they would use the space. Gosh. You know, I, I know, I know, I you often think that it'd be quite a nice problem to have and things yes. like that, but there are elements oh. of that where mm -hmm. it's like, you know, the, the properties have already been on the market maybe and not even selling and people are, the, the feedback that have, that's been received is that they, they, people just can't imagine how they would use all the space. So, I mean, you kind of go in there again, it's not like rocket science, but you go in there and obviously a living room's a living room. Do you create a second living room? Or do you use one as a study? I mean, it's a, you, sometimes it's best not to show too many bedrooms as bedrooms. Right. Um, Why is that? Because often, you know, obviously they're advertised by bedrooms. So well, that's they are, interesting. that's important and things like that. But I think when people walk around, sometimes people think, well, do we really need six bedrooms? Some people do, but they can see that a room can be used as a bedroom yes. and things like that. Whereas if you use like one as a study or one as something else and things like that. And also, I just think when you're viewing a property, I think people get bedroom fatigue. I mean, if there's too many of them, because they could just go in and it's like, oh, it's just another bedroom. So actually their interest is kind of waning a bit and things. Yeah. Not that that means they won't buy the property necessarily, but they get that kind of fatigue thing and things like that. So it's if you kind of break it up and things like that. It's like, oh, it's not just another bedroom or something. It kind of keeps them, keeps the energy going a bit, I suppose, as they're kind of finding their way through the property. And what do you, where do you get your kind of furniture? Obviously, unless you've got this vast storage place, do what do vast, you do? I do have a store. I don't know how vast yeah. it is, but it's quite a vast store. Right. Um, but obviously, you keep having to renew furniture because things get, 
but things get worn out, mm -hmm. things go out of fashion. Some things I have had for years, some like really good statement pieces and things like that I've had for absolutely years, and things get sold. I mean, we also furnish properties for letting on a purchase basis, right. you know, not like for a, not on a hire basis and things like that. So things, good stuff gets sold within those packages. Some right. new things are bought in, but it also gives the purchaser they are getting something that's been ex-rental right. for obviously a lot less than if they were to buy it new. So sometimes they get kind of better quality stuff for less money and things like that. Um, and also when you do a, a number of houses, there are times where the buyer wants to buy the furniture that you've put into it. So they, that gets sold and things. So, so obviously it's constantly being renewed. So there are some kind of staple suppliers and things that we're always going to. One of the problems that I always have is buying, I'm always buying at short notice. I've never time to wait eight weeks for a sofa or something like that. You of know, course. And so, and so there's, the, 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 there's that. Um, auctions I used to go to probably because of my background. Again, it's like everything kind of converges. Um, um, for, for some statement pieces and like, you know, some nice antique pieces, Rococo tables for hall, all that, those sorts yes. of things that you can kind of mix. And the timeless, you'll be able to use them for years, as you say. Yeah, because they don't go out of fashion and things like that. And they go, all, I mean, you know, and you can use them in a modern interior as like that kind of one statement piece. And you can have a nice big Georgian drawing room that's dressed quite modern, but you can have that as a kind of, you know, an, an ice console, antique console or center table or something. So there's a whole loads of ways and it makes the interior also, I think, more interesting. And also when people, hopefully anyway, I think when people look at us, a property that we've staged, because we don't buy everything from the same supplier, as it were, and we do mix it with these kind of more period staples and so on, it does almost, I think, look like a nice house that somebody actually lives in and has been a home rather than a staged a stage property or something maybe just looks a bit more corporate. I think a bit more individual maybe is. Um... Let's talk a bit about more about, you know, the ones that you stage for sales and also for the rental and just a bit more in what capacity in the rentals you're saying for being sold. But, well, first of all, let me start with statistically, kind of what difference can a home stage property make to sales and kind of rental values, but you might want to explain a bit more about what exactly it is with kind of rental properties. But also, you know, the times to sell or and or let compared to either an unfurnished property or say possibly one that's unattractive aesthetically. Yeah, so with the with with properties that are on the sales market. There are various statistics. Um, I'm not entirely sure how they always measure these, to be perfectly honest. I mean, the most recent one that I read, I think, was a right move, uh, the result of a right move survey, and it was it said it can add 8% or something like that onto the value. Of, I don't know exactly how you measure that, because you could have two houses identical next door, and maybe they've got a nicer kitchen in one right. than the other, or something like that. Um, but, I mean, it does. Um, I mean, anecdotally, we've had... Um, We've been, I mean, some people come to us straight away. Most people come to us straight away if they decide their property needs staged. There are times where people come to us when the property has just failed to sell. And there, I mean, recent, the most recent one, I think, is that we've, we did one in Comley Bank, which actually is a great area and a traditional Victorian flat where there's not usually much problem in selling and things like that. But these people have had their house on the market twice. 
Gosh, and it wasn't something to do with the survey or anything? No, no, I kept asking them that question. I asked them about the price because you can have the nicest property in the world, but if you're, if you're asking an unrealistic yes. price, it's just not going to sell or if there's something wrong with it. But there was nothing in the survey and things like that. So twice they'd had it on the market. So this time round, they really needed to sell because they had actually bought somewhere else and were ready to move and things like that and, and, and so on. Um, and we dressed it. They did decoration as well, which I had recommended and so on, uh, but they had done that themselves and then we dressed it. And it is now under offer. Um, so there Great. is, a, that is anecdotally, but there yes. is an instance of twice on the market and this time it's sold. There's been other instances of that, even, more, even new builds, one several years ago, I remember, down at Western Harbour when it was still quite new and the property wasn't selling and it was just a white box, like n nothing offensive about it. It was a property that was probably like a year or two old or something like that, but didn't sell, got furnished and then it sold really quite quickly. Um, a couple of other like great success stories, um, not that everyone is like this, but there was one in the West End actually that we did a few years ago that had been on the market probably for about a year or something like that. At something like at then, at something like offers over six hundred and odd thousand or something like that, and <clears throat> it, it wasn't selling. And we did we staged it, but did a lot of work. That one got a new kitchen, one new bathroom, the other bathroom got upgraded. I mean, it was quite. It was about fifty thousand pounds worth of work right. that one actually got. But when it did go on the market, having not sold for a year, it offers over six hundred and something. Actually sold almost the day that it went on the market for nearly 900,000. Wow. So that really did pay Just dividends. And yes. we had a similar instance a few years before that in Northumberland Street where a property had sat there forever. These did involve like fairly sizable spends, but more than did the trick. Yeah. Well, it got the property sold. And actually in these instances, the price was, you know, there, there were, I hate to use the phrase quids in, but it, 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 it certainly obviously didn't disappoint. So, so there's obviously all these official statistics of 8%, 15% or whatever it might be. I don't think it's always down to that. Some obviously there, there are greater rewards. Sometimes it just comes down to the time that it takes Timing. to sell a property mm -hmm. um, and things like that. And especially if you're, if, you're, say, and if you're an investor and your property has been let out, if that property sits there for three months waiting or longer, waiting for a buyer, you're still paying your mortgage on that. So obviously, if, if, if you can do anything to make it sell quicker and things, even if you don't get any more money than you otherwise would, the speed of it is money in itself out. because, you know, you're mm. not obviously paying out and things like that. Now, well, just, just going back, obviously, you've seen about statistics and then, yeah. then different kind of um, stories, case studies. But that reminds me of um, a testimonial that I, that I read, one particular one, that said um, Colin staged a property I sold in July last year and it was of the highest value sales in Scotland in 2022. So, you know, can you tell us a bit more about this property and your company's involvement? Yeah, in I mean, it, with that one in particular, to be honest, I didn't realise till the told the guy who wrote that, who was the selling agent, I didn't realise that it was one of the most expensive properties in Scotland. I realised it was a fairly healthy price, but it was down at Archerfield. 
right. but not in the village at Archerfield. It was it was a, a kind of smaller, probably more niche development and things like that. Uh, amazing views over the Firth of Forth from the back and, and, and things like that. Um, and quite a, a large house. Um, it was, I think it went, I don't know what it actually fetched in the end. It sold again very, very quickly um, and good work to the selling agents for that. Um, and um, it was offers over just under three million, uh, which even for Archerfield is a big, I had yes. never known a property in Archerfield with that price tag until I had done that one. They were all usually 1.2, 1.8 or something like that. So um, it was, it was, it was, it was such, such a hefty, it was a, a great house. Um, but actually I was quite stunned by the asking price. So I don't know what it brought in the end. Um, but our involvement was staging of that. Um, and it was a so um, full furnishings, hire and dressing package, putting everything together. We did it in a day. Uh, had allowed two. It was yeah. What size was it? Just how many rooms and things? Um, it had um, a, a, a massive living. I mean, the kitchen was so massive. It had two island units, not just one. Um, as you do. As you do. <laughs> So massive kitchen, dining, living space, separate living room, again, a massive living room with a bar off at one end and things like that on, on the upstairs. Um, and uh, probably, I think, about maybe six bedrooms or something uh, like that. And then I had a gym off it, which we had nothing to do. So, uh, yeah, so it was fairly massive. We scheduled it to dress over two days, but it was one of... Um, I almost hate going back to places. I just like to get them done. So on that particular one, we did work till about one o'clock I was in about the to say, yeah, was it from midnight till one the next morning? It was. It was literally like the end of June when the nights were light. And actually, I have a great photo with this lovely view over the bay of about midnight. I suddenly looked out the window and there's this lovely red um, sunset oh, across the fourth and things like that. So yeah, we did work on, so that was full furnishings, hire and dressing and, and all sorts of things like that. But yeah, a completely great property, obviously, to work on. Not that they're all like that, mind you. Part of making property more appealing involves decluttering, which your company also offers. What are the main mistakes people can make that lead to a cluttered home and how do you assist with clearance? Well, the main mistake that people make with a cluttered home is really just hoarding. Yeah. I mean, it is just as simple as that. To be honest, we do do declutterings. I haven't done an awful lot of declutterings, and I really don't enjoy decluttering uh, right. properties. But if we're really asked to do it, then we'll do it. But it is kind of a bit of a, a, of a mammoth task. I usually encourage people to do their own declutter before we get in there, and most people do. But, yeah, the main aspects of it is it's just just piles of stuff that just doesn't need to be there that people have kept or not stored properly or, and uh, you know, or some people, especially maybe people with families and things like that, you know, young families, maybe sometimes they, they just, maybe it's just, they don't have time for it or something like that. So it just is, I mean, it's just simply too, I mean, you know, it is amazing in the instance of a declutter, whether we do it or whether the client does it themselves, a, a, a declutter and a, a, a good clean, and yeah. I don't mean that in any kind of derogatory sense, makes a vast difference in itself before you've even actually started any kind of staging process or anything like that. Because I think if you've lived in a property for a considerable amount of time, I mean, obviously, you, there's just everything that's accumulated over the years, but also I think it's hard for the owner to see, like you'll see certain that's 
items, so many items maybe that are out that don't mm. need to be out, and it's, which ones were kept, which ones aren't, because obviously some will have personal yeah. connections. So I wonder if sometimes it's easier to have someone else come in and do that for you to know which of the items should be kept, which yeah, of the it items. Is. It definitely is, and people actually appreciate that. And people say things, people will completely say, we've lived here too long. Not even in a staging process, even with what I call private clients, people who live in their home and they want a new kitchen or a new furnishing scheme or redecoration. Most people that say, look, come and tell us what we need because we've just lived here so long, we can't see it. And you, to be honest, you get that with that, your own house you and do. things like that. You often kind of can't see it and things like that. But the declutter, there, there are elements of declutter where people just have too many things, like too many ornaments, but that's a really easy declutter. I don't even think of that as, a, I do say declutter a bit or something, but that's really just putting a few things away in boxes. The declutter is really just, isn't, is just like holding on to stuff that just doesn't have to be there and things that like the worst, the worst declutters and things like that. But yeah, I mean, but there are even elements of, um, I mean, I did a, a, a staged a house just this week that people live in, and they were about to put away all their family photos of their children and things like that because they thought I was going to go in there and say, no, you must declutter all. But they were all in nice frames and things, and we didn't need to declutter any of those. I mean, they actually all added to it. was a nice room to begin with. It just needed that particular room anyway, just needed a bit of titivation and things like that. So there was an instance where the client thought they were going to have to declutter in that regard, and actually they didn't need to declutter at all. I mean, th there's a bit of a kind of misconception, not just not necessarily about decluttering, but about putting your property on the market anyway a lot of the time. I mean, there's this thing about people think, oh, they need to declutter, so they need to clear every surface and almost have nothing on it. Or, I mean, I remember this other person I know who was selling his house and things like that and was doing it all himself and he, was, he seemed determined and wouldn't, I don't know if he wouldn't listen to what anybody else was trying to tell him or whatever it was, but when his property actually came on the market, I mean, he decluttered so much it just looked, there was nothing in it. <laughs> just bare. I mean, it was like, there wasn't even a picture left on the wall and things like that. I mean, it was like almost magnolia and... <laughs> things like that and that that does as much damage as anything yeah. else so it's like everything there's a bit of a happy medium and a bit of a balance so he was thinking like probably a blank canvas might work better but it does as you say the opposite yeah exactly i mean it's like people think you can't have color you know you you have to paint everything neutral and things like that and even that's not true i mean obviously you can't put gay you can't alienate people but actually you can alienate i think magnolia should be banned anyway, to be honest but <laughs> You can alienate people by making things too... You're never going to appeal to ev everybody all the time. But you can alienate people by, you know, you can alienate as many people by a room being too bland as you can by putting a bit of a bold colour or a bit of a dark colour on a wall or in a room or however... It, and every room is different and works differently. And sometimes, you know, if a room doesn't get any light or much light, you're best to go with the dark anyway, to be honest, a lot of the time, because you're never actually going to make it light, so you're best to make it atmospheric. Oh, you know, tips, you exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm a free tips. <laughs> this is actually all for myself. That is it, that's it, exactly. You're furiously <laughs> taking your notes. Yeah. Just before you were mentioning about your refurbishment, so because your company, I know that they do full or part refurbishments. Yes. So can you talk about this side of the business in a bit more detail. Yeah, so that again was kind of organic, as seemed as everything else seems to be. So after I started doing the home staging, a lot by its kind of very nature, I suppose, a lot of buyers, a lot of sellers were not in this country. 
um, and coming up to the 2014 independence referendum, there were and especially a lot of overseas people who had property here who wanted out of Scotland in case it became it. It was all a bit of a nonsense in reality because I think they thought Scotland wasn't a place to keep your money, but for every property that went on the market, somebody else bought it, so there was no real fear and things like that. Um, but so I think because a lot of people were maybe overseas or hands off or something like that, they, they would start to say, oh, we need some painting done. Can you do the painting? And to be honest, I had quite a lot of contacts through like all my property yes. management days and things like that. So, so yeah, I used to get painting done then, the carpets, or sometimes it needed a new bathroom. So little things like that. And I didn't want to say no to anything as well. If we could do it, we would do it. And if there was a market for it and things like that. So that's kind of how that started. And then we moved into, I suppose, bigger things. And it, then it seemed time to move into doing like private client work rather than like so for people's homes and so on. Space planning, you know, a new kitchen, a new bathroom, knocking through walls, taking through, you know, architect drawings, uh, building warrant applications and all those all those sorts of things that we do and things like that. So, so yeah, a lot of that that we do now and, and so we've, we've kind of that that side of the business. Has, has, has come up and, and, and grown and is, is, is good also. And we also get some referrals from um, like relocation agents and things like that. I mean, they've got maybe a client who is buying here or something. This is what they want to do to that property. Can you give us a ballpark figure for what okay. it'll take? So they, they, that can be reflective in what they offer. So we kind of do that, take a look at the plans, get into the property if we can, but that, that's all, not always possible and things are, are is what you can do in a property that somebody else is still living there is, is not always easy and things like that. So we can give them a ballpark figure based on the floor plan and what we can and the home report and things like that. And that then translates into work when they buy the property. We go, we, you know, we're kind of almost all ready to start and things like that and do whatever they want. So, so what other property services do you offer to sellers, you know, homeowners, landlords? I mean, that's basically it, apart from like consultations and things like that, where basically people just want you to do a colour consultation, for example. They right. just want to, you know, they, they just want you to go around and tell them what colours they should use on each rooms and things like that. So kind of consultation or, you know, how they should lay out a room sometimes, what sort of furnishings, what sort of colours should they go for. So consultation, cons consultancy services, yes. I suppose. As um, the other one. I mean, there's all sorts of other things that we do. I mean, you know, we do relatively mundane things like, you know, cleaning and painting a garden gate and a garden fence. I mean, not everything is all about a complete transformation with a new bathroom or a new kitchen and things like that. Some of them are the small details and things like that. So, I mean, what I've always tried to do, and I think what our, our, our clients have kind of, I suppose, asked of us is is you know for us for us to be like a one-stop shop as it were and I've you know so I mean even when we've done major works on a property and things like that it's quite usual that if something goes wrong with the roof or something goes wrong with you know a gas boiler or a bit of plumbing or something like that then we you know they phone us up and say oh we've got a leak or something like that can you send your plumber and things so we become kind of people's just general maintenance service as well and things and we're always kind of happy to do that and keep up the relationship and things That's like good. that but um, I mean a, a lot of people obviously it works for us being able to have include like all-encompassing services and things like that but 
you know, most of our clients also seem to want that. They really don't want to be bothered coordinating one lot of people against another. They prefer almost just to hand it over. Yeah, and, and hopefully, and hopefully we reward care. them by doing good work on time, on budget, and all that sort of thing, and things like that. But you know, the way that we like it to work is, you know, once we've agreed everything, they hand us the keys, and we give them the keys back when it's finished, and they don't really have to have much involvement in between times if they don't want to. Yeah, sounds. Stress-free. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much for us all the time, but no. that's why you get paid for that. <laughs> Just go back to the home staging, because your company's a member of the home staging network. network. Yeah. So, so what does that mean within the industry? Well, the home staging network is really just like a trade body. It's, it's, I mean, it's not quite as grand. It's a bit like a surveying bear, a member of RICS or something right. like that. It's just really a, a trade and accredited body or an accrediting body and things like that. I suppose its aim, well, it's, it's kind of twofold in a way. I mean, its, it's aim is so that people can, you know, know that you, you're, you're trusted, you're reliable, you're qualified and all these sorts of things. And also it's a bit like a portal whereby if people don't know who home stagers are in their areas and don't want to like plough through Google or wherever else it might be, they can go onto the home staging network and obviously find the members on, f from there. So Right, perfect. Well look, on another note, because another great venture, this is one that I wanted to ask about, another oh, yes. great venture of yours was an establishment in Edinburgh Stockbridge called, uh, known as Gurko. It was. And I read that when it opened its doors in 2013, it was built as a revolution in lifestyle interiors. So in what ways was it so innovative? Well, basically, uh, we opened that, first of all, as a pop-up shop. Um, the shop, I think, was up for lease, and we knew the then landlord and th who agreed to let us have the shop for, I don't know, a month or three months. I can't even remember what it was, but on a relatively kind of short-term short, short basis and things. So it was a real combination, and there's still not many shops like this, um, but maybe a bit more um, now than there were then. But it was a real combination of an interior shop combined with some vintage things. It was it was kind of dressed well, as hopefully you might expect. So it was it kind of looked like an interior shop, but it wasn't like your kind of fancy interior shop that you might go into where everything was new and things like that. It was interspersed with more vintage things. We sold Vespa scooters and oh, things wow. like that as well, which actually, believe it or not, people bought. There's probably a good half a dozen of them left somewhere. People bought them for their whole new town hallways and oh. corners of the drawing rooms and things like that. It's kind of quite funky items yeah. and so on. Um, so yeah, that was the basis of Gerko. It was kind of something different. It was very well received. Um, it lasted, I think, we only, were only there for, I think. It, so, so yeah, we did progress to a longer term lease and things like that. We were only really there for about three years in reality oh, for a couple of reasons. Well, but a long, lot longer than you were initially. Yeah, yeah, certainly we stayed a yes. lot longer, yes. I, I mean, it was a lot of work uh, running a shop as well as running other businesses. Um, as you can imagine, can imagine yeah. um, and things like that. And in fairness also, though we did make money, you know, rates and stockbridge rates yeah, and things like that actually meant that really what you brought in went out and things. So it was quite a lot of, it was a lot of time like and effort ways. for not much as enjoyable though it was and all the rest of it. It was a lot of time and effort for really not very much in the end from a kind of financial gain, especially when you had another business to run that paid the bills. So. Yeah. 
Well, just finally, kind of, what projects are you working on just now? Uh, well, at the moment, we're working on uh, the, the beginnings of a refurbishment in Harriet Row, oh, uh, which is a new purchase by our client, um, and they are living abroad at the moment um, and are starting. So we're starting with three new bathrooms, so we've just started that. Um, is that one floor and uh, it's two a double upper? Oh, is it? Yeah, so it's the first floor and the and the top floor uh, and things like that. We're working on a commercial project, working on a hairdresser, a new hairdressers in um, Elm Row at the top of Leith Walk, um, and various other staging. We're doing an extension down at Trinity, um, when I need to get back and work on their kitchen design actually this afternoon, um, and various other things on the go. Uh, I can't busy, actually remember busy. them all at the moment, but yes, they're all, people always say, what are you working on at the moment? And actually I can almost, they're all <laughs> at the top of my head, but I can never quite remember, you know, and things like that, or kind of never, or you can't list them and things like that. I mean, in terms of like m massive projects, we don't have an awful lot on the go at any one time, because then you completely and utterly couldn't manage them. No. But there's usually one or two fairly major ones on the go, and then lots of other kind of smaller things and things like that also, that, um, and loads of things also too that are always kind of up and coming I mean we've got things that we need to work on that are starting in September and all sorts of things like that so you're constantly kept going and on our toes Sounds hectic, well, this has been really interesting thank, thank you, you so much I'm Gillian Sandler thanks for listening, if you've enjoyed the show don't forget to subscribe to the Let's Talk channel on all the usual platforms including Spotify, iTunes and SoundCloud well as on citylets.co.uk forward slash podcasts and also let your friends know where to find us let's talk is a dedicated property show providing insight into the world of property letting more information on today's show can always be found on our show notes along with this podcast if you want to get in touch just reach out let's talk at citylets.co.uk